I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, I was just thinking about uh, how much I uh, hate Lord Byron. Yeah, man. I don't, you're like, because he like did have, a bunch of shitty yeah, things. And I've always known that. I've always I've, hated I've Lord Byron. I've never said that I liked Lord Byron. You know, guys, that's a really weird coincidence because yeah. I just I just got here and yeah. I was, you know, the whole time I was just thinking about Man, I hate Lord Byron. I hate yeah. Lord Byron so much. Fuck you, Lord Byron. Look and what this. we were talking about on the train. Like, what? What's the What's the point of even ha- talking about that guy? Yeah, no, fucking Lord Byron. Fuck him. We hate and Lord Byron, and this is unfeatured articles. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our very scripted apology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a couple of episodes ago, we were we found out like we were looking into um I think it was um a vampire as yeah. like the vampire and like mm. what where kind of like the vampire came from and it was like he's it was originally like the very f- sexy kind of flamboyant vampire kind of image was based off Lord a lot of Lord Byron. Yes. And we looked into Lord Byron and we were like, fuck, Byron's a bit of a Mad, mad dog. He's done a lot of, of cool stuff. But and then, then we, we found out. And we were like, okay, but there was like, there was a part of us that was like ringing a bell of like Lord Byron being problematic. And Surely. then we were like, if, okay, if, if there's any part, let yeah. us know. And boy, how did people let us know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, look, uh, yeah, Lord Byron did some cool things and did some real fucking not cool things. And um, let's just put that man. In the bin for a while. In the bin for a while. Put him in the the sin bin. Uh, In the sin bin because fuck me. Yeah. We're putting him in timeout to think about what he's done. Lord Byron is going in timeout. Yeah. And he will not go into the bracket because I do believe we gave the episode to Lord Byron. I think we should probably just give the win to Drew's article article for that 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 episode. We were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, The Zuda Huck. That's fair. the, um, the, The. the, the wise man that if he was evil transformed into a vampire. Yes, um, something like that. Yeah. He was a cloud boy. A cloud boy, yeah, he liked clouds. Anyway, we are joined once again, ladies and gentlemen, by Grace Shadell. Hi. And and as ever, we are joined by James Kehoe. That's me. Lachlan Hoy. Yes. And myself, Curtis Lang. Yes. Drew Buchanan was in the room but oh. had to go home because of the amount <laughs> of... He, that boy had a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun over the weekend. Over the weekend of the, the splendor of the grass. And a lot of other things. He yeah. fell asleep on the couch. And then I went over to wake him up to say, Come, let's, okay, we'll tag out. You come to an episode. And he looked at me with eyes that were just empty yeah. of any kind of joy, love, <laughs> happiness at all. And I, he just looked at me and just went, I need to sleep. And I was like, here's my go card. Get <laughs> go. on the train. Go. Go home, be free. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely the kind of fun weekend that takes a serious toll on yes. the body. Yes, yeah, yeah. I just pray that he wakes up before he gets to his station. <laughs> I pray that yeah. he wakes up full stop. Yeah, that's true. At this point, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. Oof. let's um, uh, save some orphans. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to go to the orphanage. Uh, These are orphaned pages, pages that aren't referenced by any other page on the site. And we're going to save one of them. Last week, uh, we saved the concept of the phrase was up. That was very fun. Good. This week, uh, we're going to save some more articles. Grace, give me a number. Uh, 2021. 2021. 2021. If my laptop would like to load... 2021. While that's loading, uh, Lachlan, what's your number going to be? Bloody 23. 23? The number 23. 23. A two and a three. All right. That one's going to load up. And then, Mm. uh, Curtis, what is your number going to be? 1995. Ooh, what a year. The year of your birth. Yep. Oh, is that not public information? Did you have to think about that? No, I was just like, do I want to share that? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I don't give a fuck. The year of a lot of things. Including including my birth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Dodie Clark. Dodie, I found out uh, we're the same age. She's like four months older than me, and I'm like, I've got four months to get my fucking shit together. <laughs> <my act>. She's <laughs> the YouTuber, yeah, Dodie? Yeah, and the, the singer, yeah. Yeah, 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 cool. All right, so. Would you uh, kind of with me? I like her music's song. very her good. Her music, it's delightful. She's delightful. Dodie, if you're listening. <laughs> Dodie, come on the show. Come on the show. Come on. Hit me up. I really think we'd be good friends. Grace, you've selected the... Last, the surname, Peturd. Peturd. P-E-T-T-E-R-D. Peturd is a surname. Notable people with the surname include Ricky Peturd, a former professional Australian rules football player, and William Frederick Peturd, a Tasmanian scientist and boot importer. What does he represent? He imported some boots. (laughs) He's a boot boy. He's a boot boy! Uh, Sorry, I'm just texting Drew to say, let me know when you're Yeah, that's a very good (laughs) idea. Uh, Lachlan? You have selected Artemonova uh, Permkrai. Uh, Artemonova is a rural locality locality uh, in Permkrai in Russia with a population of 181 as of 2010. Oh. There are five streets. Oh, fun. They had, they had, in the whole region, the whole locality, they have five streets. I mean, you, you wouldn't get lost? You no. would not get lost. Are they big streets? Well, see, I'm looking at it. There is a lake, like, in the middle of this... Locality, oh. but there's only five streets. I don't know. It's very intricate. I guess it's just streets around the lake. I guess so. Maybe to get places, you just row across the lake. Maybe. Oh, maybe there's a lot of like canals. Mm. Ways. Yeah, it's like Venice. Like Venice, but in rural Russia. Yeah, exactly. Well, you understand how they get the two mixed up, okay? And That's our fair. third orphan, Paul Eck Ranch. Oh, did we decide? Was this the orphanage music? Wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's all right. It was yeah. epic. Commit to the bit. Uh, Paul Eck Ranch is an American girl. Just 20%. A lot less. Less. 20% less. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Paul Eck Ranch uh, is an American plant grower uh, play, uh, located in Encinitas, California, with production facilities in Guatemala. Uh <laughs> This egg has grown to become the world's largest poinsettia uh, producer, which is the Christmas star, with 50% of the market share. Oh, whoa. 50% of Christmas oh, stars yeah. are grown at Paul Eck Ranch. German immigrant Paul Albert Eck began cultivating poinsettias in Eagle Rock, Los Angeles, <laughs> in 1909. Oh, my God. Uh, I, hate, I hate everybody. Paul Eck Jr. took over the family business in 1963 and expanded it heavily. Uh, and then Paul Eck the Third took over the ranch in 1992. 
That's the Paul Eckridge. I can't believe I probably had one of these man's plants in my house. Right? Right. You have a 50-50 chance. So, uh, what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the last name Paterd? Are we going to choose the... Uh, we're going to choose Atamonova in Perm Cry? Or are we going to choose the Paul Eck Ranch? Does anyone have any favourites? I mean, my um, my leading contender would probably be the ranch. You yeah, like yeah, I gotta, yeah. go, gotta go the ranch. All right, let's go. Paul Eck Ranch, you're in it. Hell yeah. Huzzah. Huzzah. Who wants to go first now in the show? Um, Can I do it? Yes. Go. I wasn't doing it last time. No, you do it, man. So now it's time for the me to do it. All right. I have a game. Oh. Yes. Uh, as I am known to do, uh, I have a game. Oh, this isn't the tone. This isn't the tone I'm going for. Do we have Can we game do, show music? Do we have some like game show, some peppy, some stuff? What's something that'll make me think of Grant Dania? Oh, yeah. Give me that. Okay. All right. Maybe. Playing. It's sort of... Okay. All right. I'll work with it. Oh. Are we doing two at the same time? Three, baby. This is this is audio. Yeah, poison. this is. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do it. Uh, yeah, good. Bloody. Uh, it's cool. Yeah. I'll let you know when I've got some. All right, sounds good. So, I went onto Little Cycle Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I got the list. Wikipedia? Of, yeah. What's that? It's a niche little. Uh, you know, have you heard of the encyclopedia? No. Okay. List of Oreo varieties. <gasps> yes, list of Oreo varieties. There are a lot of them, and what we're going to do is sort them into the novelty versus Oreo quality index. Yeah. Oh. So well. I have uh, a big index, uh, a big you know grid. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In the on the y axes, you've got your top one, your high novelty items, and then at the bottom there, your low novelty items, and then uh, on the left, you got your bad Oreos, your what, Oreos you don't want to taste. Uh huh. And then, of course, on the other side, your good tasting Oreos, the Oreos you're, inqu- you're you want to get, you want to try, you want to get, you're inqu- you're inquisitive about okay. what these Oreos are. Uh-huh. Okay. For example, I'm going to like throw out just like a dummy one, chocolate Oreo, right? Okay. We're talking pretty low novelty. Mm. It's just a chocolate, you know, you just cho- yeah. got chocolate cream, but a good Oreo, right? I want to yeah, taste yeah, the chocolate yeah, Oreo. Yeah. It's a pretty good Oreo. It's a pretty good Oreo, right? So that would be in that kind of bottom right mm-hmm. corner. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we know we know we know the game. Low novelty, high quality. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so I'll start you off easy. Watermelon Oreo. This is a call mm. out really quickly. Oh, I gave Drew my last twenty dollars so he could put it on his go kart so he could get home. <laughs> and he was like, "I'll transfer you, big dog." And uh, what he didn't tell me is that his bank and my bank they don't have that fast transfer. Oh thing. no! You got to so wait now, that twenty four hours. So now I'm out that twenty twenty dollars, and now I can't get dinner. Oh, oh no! No. The things I give up for Drewby Cat. <laughs> yeah. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. 20 bucks. 20 bucks as 20 well. bucks. All right. Anyway, so subscribe to our Oreo? Patreon. Um, what a Oreo. Where is that sitting? I think I'm going to put it as a high novelty. I think it's got that novelty. I think it's got a novelty about it. I feel like the novelty is going to get higher though. I feel like this isn't That's the true. highest novelty. Maybe, all right, let's put mid- it's not high, but it's above the Not the tone. Line. Not the tone. Oh, I'm it's sorry. Sorry. It's so still sorry, going. dude. Just not it's the tone we're looking going. for, man. It's not high novelty, no. but it's above the mid. I'm going to say a little bit above mid. How are we going? Bad Oreo versus good Oreo. Oh, like bad Oreo, right? I was thinking bad Oreo. Like this bad is a Oreo. fruit Oreo. Yeah. Do you reckon it tastes like watermelon bubblegum in the middle? Maybe. If it does. But with a chocolate biscuit. That's think. Fair. Yeah, the you're shell right. is still right. a chocolate that's biscuit. Fair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'd put that down the bad, bad Oreo side. I agree. Let me throw this one at you. Okay. Wasabi Oreo. Oh, 
Now this one's a curveball. This one's a curveball. I see. Uh, I'm thinking high novelty. Well, it depends. Uh, where are we? Yeah, because if we're talking, if I'm, we're talking, uh, this is released in Japan. Then we're this doing is not a novelty contextless, item. devoid of context. Right, devoid of context. This just, is just you're just being presented uh, these Oreos. So know, the only context not, being not, our knowledge of the Oreo company. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes but yes. it's not like even in Japan, it's not like wasabi is like. Right, it's not. They like, don't have wasabi on everything. Yeah, like, yeah. They but got I, those wasabi Kit Kats though. Like, they go if crazy we had like that's like tomato sauce, like we have tomato sauce on fucking everything. That's mm. a novelty chip. If there was, right? yeah, that's true. Yeah, but mm. I think I'm as far as I'm aware, and I may be wrong on this. I believe that wasabi as like a confectionery flavoring in Japan is as common as like green tea. Green tea is a big one. So I just don't. I just don't know how yeah. that it would be a novelty. Let's say that. okay, but I would say in in my, in my life that would be this, a very novelty. Yeah. Okay. Hey Curtis, mm. concept. Tomato sauce flavored Oreos? <gasps> Where do you rank that? That's bad. Bad Oreo? That's real bad. Is that bad low Oreo? quality? How, yeah. how novelty is that? Hey, how guys, I just need to check something. Yeah, cool. That is still, <laughs> that is still <laughs> ongoing. Okay. Um, moving on. Uh, we get wilder from here. It only gets wilder from oh, here. Oh, good. Thank yeah. goodness. Tell me, where are you placing Mickey Mouse Oreo? Wait. <laughs> what flavor is Mickey Mouse Oreo? Mickey Mouse Oreo. Is all I'm gonna give you high novel, okay. high novelty. Yep, low quality. But we don't know the flavor. I have a personal vendetta against the mouse. That's true. You do. You do hate the mouse. That's a good segue. Well, it depends. Is it artificially flavored? It is. No, it tastes like real Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I will give you. Like okay. I'm just saying. Is there real Mickey? Ma- is is this? Is like there real Mickey Mouse? Five percent Mickey Mouse in every bite. Yeah. They, they milked him like a snake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you milk is two front mouse milk teeth. <laughs> no, remember how I was talking about milking um, in the last episode? Ooh. Oh, no. No, no, no not that milking. No. No, no, they were milking Mickey, our boy Mickey. How would how does Mickey Mouse taste? Tickle the scrot, you get him out. How does <laughs> no. Mickey Mouse taste? Is it good or bad? I'd say Mickey Mouse probably tastes pretty good. I feel like Disney, Disney wouldn't allow Mickey Mouse to Oreos taste to taste bad. You're right, you're right. Okay, I want to Mickey taste Mickey Mouse them. is too precious. I do want you want to taste... I desire them. <laughs> I desire it's to which, taste Mickey Mouse. What a graphic episode we've ever had. If it's a desire thing, if it's like, I don't want to try these or I do want to try these. You want to fuck Mickey Mouse. That's what I I'm getting from. Mickey, I want to eat you them. Just you, say yeah, you, you desire suck his Mickey Mouse. Cock. No, Bring me the Oreos. I would like to taste the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the mouse. Hot chicken wing Oreo. Ooh. That sounds right up my alley. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say. I found you music. Please. What is this? Adventurous music for adventurous Yeah, Oreos. this is good. 20%. There we go. He always wants it quieter. Just that little bit. I want less Mickey Mouse cock talk. You, <laughs> you brought the time. cock into this. Yeah, I did not. You actively you kept, did. He kept said, saying he wanted to taste Mickey Mouse. Yes, I want to eat Mickey Mouse. <laughs> what is dick. so hard to understand? Uh, hot chicken wing Oreo. How is this? Is this a good Oreo? I think that's like mid novelty, right? Yeah. This is like mid novelty. It's not like it's not like Mickey Mouse. It's not Mickey Mouse. I'm gonna say mid novelty, mid quality. I don't think it's gonna be great. Oh yeah. You'll definitely it's just have average. a go of it. Just, just kind average. of yeah. Yeah. I'd okay. probably like it over like wasabi. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. Uh, <laughs> how to train your dragon Oreo? <laughs> <laughs> what was the flavor? What was the flavor? How, how to train, train your dragon? How to train your dragon is the flavor. What does that movie taste like? To Rank you? it blind, and then I'll tell you what the flavor it's is. It's like okay, Curtis. you still haven't told me what Mickey Mouse tastes oh, like. Oh, that, so, that ended up being birthday cake. Curtis, I'm into that. Basically, the 
How to Train Your Dragon Oreos. Yeah. It's like, imagine... Oh, sorry. If you were to take a bite of this Oreo, you'd be like, huh, that tastes like How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> that tastes exactly like huh. How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> when you this take- tastes <laughs> like <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> and I don't know what that one. means for you. Yeah. So, two. One, two, three. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> the grunts. Curtis, when you take a bite, it uh-huh. gives you a flashback Ratatouille style to the entire movie. The entire how to Train movie. Your Dragon. Yeah. It's like how uh, Keanu Reeves learns Kung Fu in the Matrix. Yeah. Exactly. Like, gets it implanted. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, you eat an you Oreo and you have seen the movie. How to Train I do, Your do Dragon. Like a Slumdog Millionaire flashback. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do like um, the movie Ratatouille. I like the two main characters, Ratatouille. And Mr. Tui. Tui. And Mr. Tui. <laughs> uh, anyway, I reckon that I reckon that that tastes amazing. Because How to Train Your Dragon yeah. was a good, good movie, and anything that tastes like that movie would be good. I don't trust the mouse, but I trust DreamWorks. I That's trust fair. Toothless. DreamWorks is owned by the mouse. Well, look, is that so? Yes. Oh, oh, it is now, isn't it? With the whole Curtis, they have no, an independent no. brand identity. They do. There's like everyone has been like DreamWorks and Disney have this company. They have always. Disney been under the same been under the same banner. Disney owns everyone, but Curtis, I have to believe some things to sleep at night. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes <laughs> we're just gonna, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. All right, the American cream. Oh, yuck! Now that sounds like cum. That's a bad Oreo. That's yeah. a bad Oreo. All right. Bad Oreo, but high novelty? How novel is this? I don't think it's very novel. I don't think it's very novel. For an American company, I don't think so. No, that's true. It'd be like a 4th of July offering. Guys, all this talk of Oreos has made me really need to go to the bathroom. I'm tapping out for a sec. Okay. I'm going to the bathroom. We'll we'll, we'll take over Oreo duty. Do you want some music? I'll give you music. Hey, Curtis, are you you taking a switch? (laughs) (laughs) Why even have a a switch? Is that this episode or last (laughs) last episode? Yeah, good. All right. Don't poo with your switch. That's the final thing I might ever Don't say. Don't poo on your switch. I think we can all agree no, that. No, um, that on the left. Okay. Love Oreo. Oh. What does love taste like? And how oh. novel is love? You're asking I'm, some really important questions, Jen. Thank you. I'm going to say it sits exactly on the halfway point between novel and not novel. Uh-huh. Like, it's a novelty, it's, but it gets done every year. Yeah, exactly. We have Valentine's Day now. Not, love is sort of commercialised at this point. You've got your Oreos. I'm going to list it high on quality, though, because I like things that are pink, and it's almost definitely pink, right? Yeah. Also, I, would so. I feel like you wouldn't release something year by year if it wasn't good. That's yeah. true. So. Yeah. All right, uh, SpongeBob Oreo. Well, that's actually low novelty. That was the first Oreo. <laughs> that was the original Oreo flavor. SpongeBob was yeah. the first. Oreo. <laughs> They're all SpongeBob flavor. <laughs> They're all SpongeBob. <laughs> they just lost the licensing yeah, rights. They yeah. take it off the package. All every Oreo has a little <laughs> bit of SpongeBob. So that's a uh, low novelty, high quality low baby. Yeah. That's it. The That's, weird thing is, no yeah. matter what flavor you told me that SpongeBob Oreos tasted like, I feel like it would taste like banana to me. Right? Yeah. You, could you just tell have me it, it in your something mind. Something else, but I'd look at that and I'd be like, "Well, that's a banana Oreo." Yeah, I've got a couple more. Ice cream rainbow, sure, Bert. Oreo. Sure, Bert. Sure, Bert. Like, Ice cream rainbow, oh, sure, Bert. Is it a Sesame Street thing? It is not. Oh, I don't okay. think it is. <laughs> okay. It well. is ice cream rainbow, sure, but uh, limited edition made up of two golden Oreo cookies with the double stuffed thickness uh, layer of tri tricolor raspberry and lime sherbet flavor cream filling. Ice cream rainbow, sure, but 
<laughs> Why I did they call it that? I think somebody at the Oreo company was called Bert, and when he brought this idea to them, they were like, sure, sure Bert. Bert. Sure, Bert. <laughs> but it is 100% not. I thought the same thing. I was like, this is... It's got nothing to do with Sesame Street, it's though? nothing to do with Sesame Street. Wild. I mean, it sounds good as hell. Yeah. I'm into it. That's a good Oreo. And like, but I just don't know how novel... Like, is it just for Bert's? Well, uh, see, I suppose it depends because it's like sherbet is like a fairly standard confectionery flavor. Right, that's the thing. But if it is, if it's legally only able to be sold to birds, then I feel like that's a really interesting direction. Extremely novel, extremely niche. Yeah, no one does that. No one does that these days. And I feel like from the name, that's probably the case here. So I'd say it's pretty novel. Here's your final Oreo. Oh, the last one. I've got a few more if you want more Oreos, but this is the one I wanted to cap off on. Mystery Oreo. <gasps> I think I've had this. I think I've had one of these. Where in hey this guys, grid back. can we place the Mystery Oreo? It's bad. not on the grid. Bad. I'm back and it's bad. It's a bad Oreo? It's yeah. like a mystery meat situation? Yeah. It's, it's not on the grid. I'm having a little chucky at the moment. I don't it's know if you can hear. It's undefinable by nature. They can hear. Yeah. yeah. I don't like this ASMR. Yeah, this is... <laughs> What's like the opposite of the tingles? Ooh. Yikes, yikes. <laughs> Just a Ooh. big heavy breath yeah. into the microphone. Um, so, so are you guys not a fan of mystery flavor? Because mystery I flavor is like it. my favorite What is thing. mystery flavor? I it. it's, no, I like to know what I'm putting in my body. Well, it was just my body vaguely, is a temple. Yeah. It was just vaguely sweet. Oh, have you had of, mystery Oreos? Yeah. Oh, well, we have our expert. Because I, I had mystery Pringles and the whole thing there was like, if you, you can guess the, guess the flavor, you win a prize. Oh, Oh, um, okay. so I'm assuming mystery Oreos is something along those lines. You'd hope so. Cause uh, in my mind, I just thought that like they use whatever was left over. Like they just had <laughs> like yeah. a box of discarded like bits. It's all the then, Oreo leavens. Yeah. Yeah. They just sort of put it together. Uh, it was, hey, um, I don't know if uh, it's too late. I've started um, a certain ice cream company uh, does that with one of their ice creams. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, but you can't, you have too much stake in this. Yes. And you cannot say any more. Yes. <gasps> but I'll tell you, it's not as bad as it sounds. Just um, all the uh, all the chocolate ice cream that is like, is, is like kind of like, because um, they go through like a checking process. Yeah. Right? All the chocolate ice cream that is like gone like, okay, we can't package that. It's like there's, a, there's an issue with that. It's dangerously they chocolatey. Put it, they put it back in a thing. <laughs> they mix it all up. And then they make a different ice cream with it. Oh, no. Oh, my God. That's a big conspiracy. Yep. I love it. I'm into it. I like that. No, it's, just, give, it's just reusing. We give, it's just recycling. The, it's, the, the ice cream's still fine. It's just like uh, aesthetically they can't sell it. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like package problems? Yeah. yeah fair enough. Cool. We're giving um, lost ice cream another chance. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. It's good for the environment. The I know I said I wanted to leave on mystery Oreo, but oh, this okay. is a novelty Oreo that is not a flavor. It is just a, a thing that they did. An Oreo experience. It's, it's an Oreo experience. It's the Oreo music box, <gasps> which is a record player that plays music when you put an Oreo in it. Oh my God, I heard about what this. And the music the changes fuck? when you take a bite out of it. Uh-huh. So like you put an Oreo in there, it spins around and like, I don't even know how, I think it like uses light or something. And then when you have like, take a bite out of the side, That's it like fun. changes the edge. So it just like plays a different thing. Yeah. You essentially use your like Oreos as like vinyls in this like tiny record player. Have you, like, it's cool s- as hell. Have you seen it? I've seen pictures of it. I haven't seen it in action. Oreo it's- audio. Oreo audio. Or- I'm into it. Or audio. Or audio. No. No? 
That's I'm sorry. Nice. <laughs> I I want to be with you. No, I want to be with it. you on more audio. It sounds like a hashtag for something erotic, which is why hashtag I don't Oreo like audio it. Or it hashtag Oreo audio. It is. Hashtag Oreo. It is. This ain't my first Oreo audio. Check. Uh, check the show notes for a link to my private Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and that is that is our fun game of the novelty versus Oreo quality index uh, for novelty Oreos. There are a couple more that I didn't list, like football Oreo. Oh, good. Uh, and good humor strawberry shortcake Oreo <laughs> and Swedish fish Oreo. Sway. Um, yeah. That's just a food, though, I think. That's just a lot of Swedish fish, fish yeah. is like, it's like a, a candy. It's like the gummy. Yeah. yeah. But, like, also, why put that in an Oreo? Fair point. Yep. <laughs> you got me there? That? Why <clears> do that, though? It's just a Swedish fish between the two biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> No cream. It's no loose cream. crackers and Swedish <laughs> fish. It's like those um those lunchables you get where you like have the loose crackers and then some dip. Yeah, but, but the it's, dip is it's, yeah, it's loose Oreos and some Swedish fish. And it's not like Yummy. melted into a dip or anything. It's just Yummy. the fish. Um, who? Well, who's judging this app? I don't. That I, would be me. You are. Okie dokie. Oh, okay. So who's who's up? Me oh, or Grace? Wait, do you, wait, Grace do, you, do you have one? I have one, but I thought I was judging. So oh. too many judges. No, you are our guest. I, this is my house. It's not. I will judge. You You'll judge? judge? All right. I will judge. Good, 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 good. Okay, well, that's really great because I get to talk about Disney again. Hell yeah. Yay. So are you going or? Yeah, let's I'll start. Go. A, a really uncommon thing on she this She started the, the transition. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't stop it if no, I that's tried. Fair. That's fair. I've taken control. Um, okay, so last time I talked kind of vaguely about Disney. This time I'm going to talk directly about the man. Um... Obviously, Disney was had like a phenomenal impact on pop culture and animation just as a whole. Um, but then he was a big cuck. He was a big cuck boy. He was, yeah, he was certainly something. Uh huh. Um, in 1941, they're never gonna let me I be on Star Wars, are they? <laughs> After this well, podcast, I don't know, man. They won't let me be on Star Wars. <laughs> That's for sure. This is actually difficult because I'm. Hoping to get a job in animation, so this could be right. This could be condemning. This could get me. Oopsie. Whoops. Anyway, how strong? How strong are your convictions? Yeah. Um, I pretty strong. I'm it fine. It's time. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, 1941. An enormous amount of his workers went on strike because he massively underpaid them, took advantage of them, and was incredibly sexist and racist in the workplace. Ooh. Um, they took signs. Outside the studios that involved and included uh, giant guillotines and Mickey Mouse. Oh, um, these were all artists, so their signs were very well made. Yeah, they were lovely. There's a lot of very gorgeous photos online if you'd like to take inspiration for your next protest. What would I search to get that? Um, just Disney started, protest signs. Yeah, 1941 maybe. I think there's been a couple of protests. <laughs> of course, there's been yes. a few. Um, basically. He gave them a small raise, promised to be less horrible to the women working for him, and some people went back to work. Others did not. They moved across the river and down a bit, um, and they formed UPA, which was another studio basically that went against everything Disney stood for. Oh, wow. They were all about, you know, paying their workers fairly, and they were all about, like, giving chances to young animators to work on bigger projects. Yeah. Um, they were very big in the 50s. Um, they did. They sort of pioneered the like classic modern animation. Oh, they really? did. What are they um, called? UPA. UPA. Um, they did the Madeline cartoon. 
You know? No oh, way. Yep. That's really cool. The, so the Hannah Flannery cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> she's Madeline so all like, grown up. Madeline is like the best example I can give you of their style of animation. It's okay. flat. They had a lot of hand-painted backgrounds. They, they did, had a lot of... They did Spy vs. Spy. Yeah. Oh, cool. They yeah. did a lot of good stuff. They were like phenomenal. Um, and Disney hated them. <laughs> he hated them so much. And this is... This is up for debate, even though it's kind of not because there's paperwork to prove it. Mm. He was convinced that they were all communists and was an FBI informer and um, in court ratted some of them out as being communist supporters. Who Disney did. Disney went into court apparently and he said that some of the people who organised the strike against him were communists. Which in the 1950s Mm. was kind of like in Germany during the 40s being like, that person is Jewish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Because, um, well, not so much that they would kill you, but they would pretty much ruin your yeah, life. Yeah, they persecute you. Yeah. Um, so he had, whether or not this is proven, because there's not like a lot of his, um, a lot of the files that came out sort of like through freedom of information, um, a lot of it's redacted and you can't see exactly what he said, but there's enough that you can sort of get the idea that he was like writing them out. Mm. Yikes, how freeze your information. Yeah. Um, so later on, he used these FBI uh, connections to buy land as cheaply as possible and keep control over it um, in perpetuity because his original idea for the Orlando Park uh, was a utopian city of the future that would include both offices and residential areas for people to live at their place of work. Hannah's talked about this. Yeah. Oh my Flannery God. talked about that. Yes. He's, he literally owns the, the – the, okay, so you know how big fucking Di- – not Disney World is? Mm. There's – it's huge, right? It occupies about 35% of the land that Disney owns in that area. Oh, my God. What he would do is he went through his FBI informers. He went through, like, a bunch of mm. stuff. He got, like, a bunch of, um, what you call it, approval to do stuff that pretty shady. He would use, like, shell companies and he would use, like, private buyers to go and purchase this yeah. land off people because he knew that if someone – if he approached someone as Disney and said, I want your land, they'd say, well, give me triple what it's worth because yeah. you can afford mm, it. It's and oh, he yeah. could. Right. So he would send these like shell companies and these other private buyers to go buy this land as cheaply as possible. Oh, yeah. wow. And then he'd snap it up and be like, well, I can do whatever I want with this now um, and was able to sort of um, get approvals for stuff yeah. that maybe your everyday man could not. Yeah. yeah. I think Hannah said something like, yeah, and it's all like – um, marsh and like the bio, mm. so like it was worth pittance, yeah, it was pittance. But like because Disney bought it all and now they are Disney, then it's worth it's yeah. just fortune worth millions, yeah, it's crazy. crazy, wow, yeah. So he has a long history of sort of using his position of power to you know influence, sort of to get what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, what a guy, a white man with power. Yeah, with money and power who hates the people who wouldn't let him oppress them, (laughs) who moved down the street to make uh, art that he did not approve of. Um, One of the main reasons, other than the fact that they just didn't like him, one of the main reasons why Disney hated UPA so much was because Disney went for such like a naturalistic, realistic style. He wanted Mm. realism over anything else. Mm. Um, And UPA moved down the street and decided to start looking into like uh, graphic styles influenced by German design groups. Um, so he wasn't keen on that either because they were betraying his good old-fashioned American sure. sort of yeah. style. 
Um, and they were like super successful. They were like fairly competitive against him up until like the seventies, and then they were bought by Universal and shut down afterwards. Oh no! Yeah, so Universal had them for a little bit, and, and now who remind me who owns who owns Universal? Most of Universal? Oh no! Oh god! Yes. So you can sort of connect those dots about how UPA. Uh, a studio that Disney famously hated was very successful. Um, suddenly fell into ruin after being bought by Universal. Oh my gosh, mm. that's crazy! Yes, that's like high tech pettiness. That's crazy. It's James, we did a whole good time boy <laughs> show about literally this. That's true. That's like, actually true. Oh I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> it was a comedy show, but there was like an error. Of, there was a part of me that was going like, "Hey, seriously, the guys, so, but for real, their own." Everything. Yeah. I, pay, I paid my five dollars to get into that show, and the whole time I was like, "Somebody gets it. Somebody." <laughs> gets it. Well, thank you. It's it's no secret to like what he did. Like we yeah. all of my notes. This isn't from Wikipedia. This is from my university course sure. in history of animation, and mm. it's just known. Yeah, this is like blatant public public record stuff, yeah, right? Th- yeah. This is just like, oh, so you want to work in animation? Well, here's what Disney's like. Um, also, maybe apply for a job there because they'll pay you really well. Yikes. That's all I have to say. Jeez, mm. <laughs> <laughs> just thought I just thought I'd give it. Is a bit there of... hope? Is there any sort of hopeful uh, message you can end on, knowing all this information about Disney? Um, no, not really. Disney owns a huge portion of the entertainment industry, so if you're like me and want to get into animation, uh, read your contract really well. Ooh. Mm. That's about it. That's a good tip. Yes. Just a good tip for life. Read go the read, read that contract. Read your contract. Yeah. If you're confused, get a lawyer. But not Lachlan because he'll go to jail. But yeah, I'll go to yeah, prison. Yeah, can't be Lachlan. Can't be me. Sorry. Well, in five years it could be you. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, okay. In five well, years. In five years. <laughs> in five years, I'll come back to this episode and I'll edit the show notes to give my yeah. the email address of my office at my law firm. <laughs> and then you can send your contracts to me. Hey, guys, future Lachlan here. I just wanted to check in and just say, uh, you can future actually. Future Lachlan sounds a lot like James. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, okay. Um, Lachlan, you have an article. I do. Okay, so um, apologies to people who went into this last time I did it. Um, and this won't be as long as, it, as the last one was, <laughs> thank God. This Good. is a two-parter? Because I was about to say, I was about to say, keep it on the short side. Yeah, 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 that's the plan. That's the plan. Um, I went in with a big one. Uh, just kind of like wet my beak, I guess. Mm. But this one's a bit, of a, a bit of a shorter one. So this is another kind of like academic thing. Um, bear in mind, if people aren't into this, then like do reach out and let us know. I will do oh, other stuff. Oh, fuck them. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Or that. Or that. I, or, I don't. Or maybe you can learn some cool stuff while also having a fun laugh with your friends. Ha ha ha. He he he. He he. Ha ha. So, <laughs> 1960s. Yeah. We've all heard of it. I've heard of the 1960s. I the concept of the 1960s. Yeah, well, I mean. There's a lot of conflicting evidence. Scientific opinion is split, but. That the 1960s happened? If the, if the oh, 1960s... I believe they happened, I just believe they were flat. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the 1960s saw uh, a lot of, like, really, uh, I guess, big social movements emerge. Um, you saw, especially because of... Um, you had concerns around the use of nuclear weapons. Mm. You had concerns about um, all, sort of all of the wars of um, leading up to that point of the 20th century. Um, so you see people like protesting nuclear testing and you see like the founding of Greenpeace and, Mm. um, it's this like big time 
uh, where the world kind of like took a step forward in environmental advocacy. Right. And one of the ideas to emerge sort of in the wake of this uh, development in the 1960s is the theory of deep ecology. Okay. Um, So this is going to get a little bit in the weeds. Oh! (laughs) Because it's about plants and shit. Hell yeah. Um, Strong, dude. Really strong. (laughs) So um, Arnas, Nace, it's the encyclopedia, so Nice. Nice. Ah. Um, Arn Nice uh, was, uh, wrote a paper in 1972-1973 um, that basically coined the term deep ecology. So deep ecology is basically uh, uh, ecology, ecologists and scientists and like philosophers kind of responding to a very like liberal kind of capitalist mm. world that we live in. Right. Um, it's, it's been uh, an idea for all of... Uh, liberal thinking um, that nature is something that human beings are separate from mm. and exists for us to dominate and use for our own purposes. It's this human instrumental view, basically, yeah. that yeah. Uh, nature is just an instrument for us to use for our own uh, for our own kind of ends. Um, and so, sort of as these as these uh, movements, these environmental movements started to started to come up. Um, well, actually, it actually more began with um, in the '60s. There were a few authors, uh, notably uh, Rachel Carson, wrote a book *Silent Spring*, which is sort of heralded as like the beginning of the contemporary deep ecology movement because it has connections to all sorts of um, theologies. It's, uh, I mean, it's got roots in, um, sorry, roots. <laughs> it's got roots in uh, Native American, Buddhist, and Jain traditions. Um, mm. It's sort of there's this ongoing theme throughout um, that sort of discusses like the Judeo-Christian idea of uh, human beings as sort of stewards of nature, right. which sort of uh, ne- which Ness said sort of gives us like this inbaked kind of superiority over mm. nature, mm. Um, which he found kind of troubling. Um, I mean, there are Protestant. Uh, sects in the modern age that say that like that stewardship is should be like caring for nature, but yeah. that's a whole other thing. Um, but basically, so uh, deep ecology has a few kind of central tenets. Um, it's got eight central tenets that sort of break down into three basic propositions. Mm. Uh, that uh, basically it focuses on wilderness and biodiversity preservation, uh, human population control, and simple living or treading lightly on the planet. Sure. Um, so basically the ideas are that um, we, as humans, mm-hmm. live as a part of nature. We're not separate from nature, but we are citizens of nature. Right. Um, a doy. And that basically our sort of like anthropocentric, um, as in centering on humans, yeah. uh, views of nature and sort of our like metaphysical ideals as people mm. – um, uh, doing a lot of damage to the environment. Um, mm. I mean, you've got capitalism with the uh, overproduction and the abuse of natural resources. Mm. Um, you've got all sorts of ideas about like the liberal concept of like the tragedy of the commons, wherein um, any communal land that is used freely without restriction will inevitably lead to its destruction because yeah. people are like selfish and will, which I don't necessarily agree with, but the idea is that people are selfish and will use more than nature can sustain. Sure. Um, And those sort of things led to this idea that humans in deep ecology um, are sort of part of this like interconnected web. We are knots in the, knots in the net of the biosphere, Mm. you know? Um, 
so the idea is that we should, if we sort of expand our concept of what the what the self is, it um, kind of takes philosophical roots um, and view ourselves as well, like the we that we are stays the same mm. view ourselves as like a part of this, like these bigger, like natural communities and like as a part of like the biosphere, yeah. um, then we will act in like a more sustainable and responsible way. Mm. Um, and there are the critics have, have come out uh, for all sorts of reasons. Um, people, some people have said that um, deep ecologists hate humans. Um, how, how can you say that humans are like a cancer on the earth? But mm. the thing is that Ness never wanted deep ecology to be kind of anti-human. And he never right. wanted his very... He, he subscribed to um, this idea of uh, biospherical egalitarianism, um, which is just a fancy way of saying that everything that exists in nature is equal. Yeah. And everything is sort of like a subject on under this like overarching moral order that we have. Mm. And everything should be given... Um, every Everything that exists, interests should be... Uh, taken care of, essentially. Right, right. Um, and that everything in nature uh, has the right to live kind of its own life as it mm. as nature intends. And that's like all deep ecology is trying to say. Yeah. Deep ecology isn't trying to, uh, no, uh, isn't necessarily prescribing to like, we are inherently equal with every single living sure, thing. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, that was Ness's personal philosophy. Mm. Um, but it was basically just, he wanted people uh, more or less to kind of, to agree. coexist with yeah. the, with nature rather than dominate over it and use it for gain. Yeah, and despite yeah. your personal philosophies, kind of agree on the sort of overarching principles of like respecting nature because mm. um, mm. it's 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 more than just respecting individual animals. It's respecting species as a whole. It's sure. respe- respecting entire ecosystems as an entity in themselves because um, one of the other criticisms of deep ecology is how do you how, how do you advocate for the interests of something that isn't human? Sure. Because at the end of the day, even if something that's not human and has interests, they can't like get up in the middle of uh, right in the middle of a room and and say this is what we're going to do. Yeah, and the approach to that has been kind of split. Some people think that they that we should appoint people that essentially represent nature, oh. and that our decisions should be largely guided by them. But mm. then some people say that that's like ecological oligarchy, and that's ridiculous. Right. So some people say that it would be like constitutional intervention. Mm. Um, but then that comes with its own whole other slew of um, issues about like impeding on the sovereign power of a nation to Mm. make laws Mm. um, in its own respect. Um, But essentially the, yeah, the basic tenant is that it's everything is connected and that we should treat nature with respect. That's really interesting. And I think like, as you were saying, sort of the stuff that like could exist in a theoretical kind of overall deep, deep ecological Mm. world. It, it sort of, it rings to me as though I, you know, I see a lot of um, sort of the stuff that like the tenets of cyberpunk almost, although okay. like that mm-hmm. in the way that that is like people integrating themselves into this larger, cause you mentioned the biosphere, right. Mm. And this idea of we are all feeding towards, you know, this thing happening. And then what a lot of kind of cyberpunk things do is like have that whole thing, but like have, this idea of, you know, the, that that biosphere being the web or being the sort of us all being tapped into this sort of world that is in fully integrated together. And it's almost like, you know, the opposite of it, yeah. you, you might say, because it's like 
we could either fully integrate ourselves with this world or reject it entirely and build, you know, this our own, our own integrated world. Um, I don't know. I think that's yeah, cool. it's interesting, and I mean, it has similar it has similar roots in um, anarchism and mm. stuff um, mm. because a lot of a lot of um, and it, this isn't necessarily just a deep ecological thing, um, but a lot of these sorts of like ecological movements, these are like more radical environmental movements. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, have ideas come with ideas uh, like anarchist ideas of like local uh, civilian populations kind of governing themselves, and then sure. having more like um, kind of I guess ad hoc or. Uh, made in the moment kind of systems to deal with more broader issues that mm. they can't deal with on their own, mm. um, which historically has worked out. I mean, it's it, people have done that in times of revolution all the time, and yeah. those those like ad hoc uh, institutions become the codified institutions once, the, like kind of the dust settles. Yeah, mm. it was um it was interesting that you brought up the cyberpunk because yeah. there is one for environmental sort of oh, concerns, cool. yeah. solarpunk, which according Ooh. to I didn't know the like definition of it, but I've heard mm. of it before, especially in um, like science fiction writing. Yeah. And it's essentially a genre of fiction that focuses on craftsmanship, community and technology powered by renewable energy wrapped up in a coating of Art Nouveau blended with African and Asian aesthetics. Mm. It envisions a free egalitarian, Egalitarian. I'm, I'm just gonna, yeah. Thank you. World with a slight bend towards social anarchism. Okay. Go. Yeah. That's cool. So it's sort of like yeah, like this is this is a sort of uh, sci-fi imagining of what could happen if we sort of put our um, focus, our now. focus towards yeah. like building a, a mm. beautiful sort of craftsmanship. Yeah. yeah, sort of a, an idea of what the world could look like if we went down like this more like ecological. Yeah, world. yeah. Like, it, what it would seems, human society it look seems, like? It uh, seems, you know, utopian to the same factor that cyberpunk is dystopian, mm. um, being s- seemingly the antithesis of you know going completely cyber. I mean, I will say there are there are some people that would that would argue that something like deep ecology would be inherently dystopian because a lot of these sort of like environmental movements, at the end of the day, don't a lot of them and deep ecology is um, faced with this criticism as well. Uh, don't really address the risk of kind of like authoritarianism or totalitarianism sure. that would come with having this be like a central tenant of a nation state, for instance. Right. Um, because how do you enforce on everyone? Uh, your ecological viewpoint? How do you make right. sure that everyone acts in accordance with your yeah. ecological values? Yeah. So there are, there, are, there are criticisms that um, it would kind of devolve into like totalitarianism sure. or authoritarianism. Yeah, like especially on the large scale where it's like, you know, but, I, you know, we've had these massive scale changes of like you can't have plastic bags mm. anymore. Like that's that in, you know, is even a little thing of like, we are making those small changes of just like people are changing the way they live, you know, to be more ecologically minded. Yeah. I mean, we're an incredibly robust species. We're yeah. designed, we're designed to adapt to almost any situation that we need to adapt to. I think that um, at the end of the day, because that, that criticism's loved at any radical social movement. Yeah, right. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's um, people make it work. We'll make it work. People always make it work. You'd be surprised. All right. That was Fair great. Enough. That was awesome. Mm. Okay. Um, what were our things? Let's have an overview, shall we? Um, mine was, I just thought you might have some, some music or something. Do we get a bop? I mean, it's so yesterday, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My article uh-huh. was the list of, you know, about 20%? About 20%. <laughs> uh, was, <laughs> 
the list of Oreo varieties, which we played a fun game with. <laughs> That's right. Yes. My article. Fuck Disney. Was basically fuck Disney. But yeah. I suggested that there might be a conspiracy that Disney shut down UPA, the creator yeah. of the beloved children's animation, Madeline. And Lachlan? Deep ecology was my submission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A better way of life is what I brought to you guys. I agree. I agree. Mm. Um, I must say, and it's no comment on you, my friend, I phased out a little bit. That's fair. Because I worked nine hours today. I'm very tight. So I probably shouldn't have been the one to judge this particular episode. No, I get it. You thought but, my thing was boring. That's fine. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> sure, sure. Sure. anything. <laughs> Um, we get it. You hate Lachlan. I do not. I've never said this. My lawyer has recommended. <laughs> uh, look, there's been a lot of talk in the media recently about me only choosing the funny ones. Mm. Me only voting for the funny ones. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to refute that today by voting for the Oreos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That's He's fair. been bought by the mouse. I have bought been by bought the mouse. by the mouse. How are we all? That's fair. I um, mean, we didn't we didn't agree who was judging beforehand. You've got to play to your audience. That's true. I get that. That's very <laughs> true. Disney offered to pay a lot of money for the Good Time Boys, <laughs> but then was then watched a show of ours and was like, <laughs> niche Australiana and cum jokes? Not for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of Unfeatured Articles. If you weren't sure what we were listening to this whole time, it was Unfeatured Articles, you dummy. You, dumb, you were listening to dumb, Unfeatured dumb. Articles the what? whole time. You big fuckhead. Oh. You guys didn't tell me this before I put the headphones on. Yeah, because no, we tricked you. Because that's what we do. We get people in our studio and we trick them into recording an episode of Unfeatured Articles. Grace, thanks again for uh, joining us today. Anytime. Despite the fact we tricked you. Um, Fucking (laughs) James, you're so close to doing your Clint Eastwood impression. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. We'll put up a photo of James's Clint Eastwood face. Um, Well, uh, Lachlan... (laughs) I don't, yeah. know, I don't know why. What What do you have to ask? I don't, I don't, I've got nothing. Genuinely. How are you? You doing well? Yeah, I'm okay. Good. I'm a little tired. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it's very late. Yeah. We had to record late tonight because, well, we went and supported our friend Sophie Jackson in Heathers. Oh, my we God. Did. It was so good, though. It was really good. It was, very it was good. really good. It was really yeah. good. She did such a good job as Heather Duke. When's this episode coming out? Oh, well, after the after show the finishes. Show. Oh, yeah. They're only doing like three nights. Yeah, 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 yeah. fuck. Just right. two weekends. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, you can. Sorry, oh, you sorry no, 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 you, no, 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 insist. no, oh, please. I insist. Oh, thank no, you. Please. Uh, if so, you, oh no, oh, no, no, you, I, 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 <laughs> so if you want to find us uh, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, uh, where uh, unfeatured articles on Facebook and Instagram, unfeatured pod on Twitter. You can listen to any of our previous episodes on on any of the podcatchers of your choice. I mean, you're probably listening to one now. It's true. So Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. This whole time, time you fucking <laughs> you've been listening to unfeatured articles. Can we stop punishing our audience for listening to us? <laughs> yeah. um, look, uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I've been Curtis Lang. I'm also here. Fuck, dude. No. <laughs> this is good. This is good. I'm James Keo. And till next time, browse responsibly. Oh, fuck. <laughs>
Um, I just want to let everyone know that uh, the music, the the the, the same the music, chill was, music playing? was playing. Oh no! Uh, during our outro, so that just went swimmingly. Ignore it. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.